morning and turn back to 2 John with me. 2 John. This will be the third message in this series, Abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. This will be part three. I have had such an interesting time in studying these verses and preparing to preach to you. On these verses, I pray the Lord will be pleased to use what I have written down today, particularly all of the scriptural references, because I know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing does not come by my words. I saw a man wrote an article, and it seems to deny the, the use of means. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The gospel must be preached. The gospel preacher and the message that he preaches, the gospel preacher hadn't saved anybody. I, hadn't had, I don't have one disciple that's mine. But I also know this, how shall they hear except one preach? The message has got to be declared. Somebody's got to tell you a righteousness you cannot produce. One produced for his people through the obedience unto death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about abiding in Christ. And I, I, I know next Sunday, I've, I've been gearing all of this to get to, to verses 9 through verse 11. And Lord willing, we'll get there uh, next Sunday. But, you know, the, the scriptures, when we think about them, they contain multiple admonitions to professing Christians. And that's what we're... I, I can't look into your heart. I don't know... I don't know whether you're a child of God or not based on my observance. We look at the wrong thing. All we can go on is what people say to us. When I, when I determine who my brethren are, how do I determine it? I, I want to find out what their hope is. Are they resting in Christ's blood, His imputed righteousness, His accomplished death at Calvary, His glorious resurrection and ascension? Are they trusting in that is all their righteousness? If you tell me that, that's all I can do. That's all I can believe. That's all I can trust and rely that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the same hope. But there's multiple admonitions to professing Christians. You know what the multiple admonitions are? Continue. Here it is. Continue in the faith. Not in a church. Not in a dogma. Not in a profession. Not in a reformation of your character and conduct. Continue where? Continue in the faith. Let me read you just a few of them. First of all, from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, I think that'd be the best place to go. What did our Lord say on this? Then said he to, his, to those Jews which believed on him. You see that? What they do? They believed. What they do? They believed on him. Believed on him what? For the miracle's sake. Our Lord had told these same Jews at one time, you're not following me because you want to know what i got to say. You're following me for the bread. You're looking for the bread. Wanting to get your belly full. They believed on him. They, 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 they said, no, no man can do this except God be with him. But it ain't got nothing to do with salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with redemption. They just caught up with the miracle of it all. He said to those who believed on him, if you, here's the word, continue. If you continue in my word, are you my disciples indeed? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
He told them in John chapter 13, verses 4 through 6 and verse 9, He said, Abide, same word as continue, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except to divide and abide, no more can you except you abide in me. I got all these words abide underlined and highlighted and capitalized. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Sounds a whole lot like what we read in John 15, doesn't it? And in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue. Continue where? In your church. No, Continue in my love. He will remember we preached on it here for several weeks that he will rest in his love. Herein's love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son the propitiation for our sins. He continue in that love. You see that? That's so important. That's imperative to you and me. The words our Lord Jesus Christ used in these passages translated abide, abideth, and continue is the same exact Greek word which means the same thing. It means to remain with, to continue with one, or listen to this, this is the best translation or interpretation or meaning of the word, to hold fast to the grace of God received in the gospel. Continue in my word, abide in me. Listen to the words of the Christ apostles. And when they had preached the gospel, what they preached? They had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's that word again. Continue. Which means what? Hold fast. The grace of God preached out in the gospel. Paul wrote to those at Coloss. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, what? In the faith. In the faith, not in my faith, it's in what Christ did. Saint, listen, that in the faith, that the faith is the same faith that's in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered a more, sac- a more, uh, more perfect sacrifice than Cain, by which he received testimony that what? He was righteous. He says, continue in the grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Again, the same word, the same meaning. 
and I don't have enough time. I tell you, go home this afternoon, type in the word abide and look at the original word and it'll give you a number and then type that number into your search browser and let it bring up all the times our Lord and his apostles use this word abide, abideth, continue and see what it means and look at all the references of it. I, that's why it's, to tell you, it's more than I could read up here. We'd be here way past the lunch hour if I tried to read all the verses that are here. But every one of these verses, these that I've read by our Lord and by a couple by the Apostle Paul, and all the ones that I didn't read to you, every one of them concern those, confirm those two absolutes that I set before you two weeks ago when we began that study. Including the Apostle John, all these guys, they taught and they believed and they taught and they, and they continued and they dogmatically declared those two absolutes. What? First of all, that no elect sinner can ever lose their salvation that is freely given to them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second one, which is the theme of this entire book, is that all those who have by God's grace been given the gift of eternal life, and that's what it is, it's given and it's a gift. All that have been given that gift of eternal life, they will never draw back and they will never forsake the gospel nor the Christ that it declares, nor the people who are of like precious faith with that truth. Listen to what Paul said. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back to perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's the overriding theme of 2 John. Now, as we continue this study, keep in mind that that elder John, he had just exhorted that elect lady and her children to, what did he exhorted them to? To mutual love and mutual devotion to those of like precious faith. I now beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, but that which you, we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Not because we're just friends. Not because we've known one another for 20, 30 years. Not because we work together. This has got nothing to do with any common earthly interest we have one with another. What is he in, encouraging them to this agape? Because it's an agape love. It's not phileo. It's not a Philadelphia love, which all men can love in that fashion. It's agape. It's a godlike love. We don't possess that by nature. No unregenerate sinner can love another child of God except they be born of God. Now that's important. And he beseeches her that they should love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandment. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. This exhortation by John is similar to what he had written in the previous epistle. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and what should we be willing to do for one another? I'd say that's a pretty important love. I mean, you think about what he's, he's commanding us to do. Here's how we know it. Because he laid down his life for us, 
We ought to lay down our lives, not for the world, but for the brethren. Why? It's not that you love me because of me. I'm not a very lovable dude. You better love me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, that's what we love. Because I tell you, we can perturb each other pretty good, can we not? If we're honest. I guarantee you can do something make me angry, and I can do something make you angry. But if we're brethren, what can we do? If we're not brethren, what do we do? We're like Cain, who when him and his brother crossed over the gospel, what did he do? He killed him over it. Children of God, they get along now. They just do. I'm sorry. But here's the question. Why did the apostle exhort them to this mutual love and association with those who believe and love the gospel? Why did he do that? Here's why. Notice where we're going to begin at today in verse uh, 7. Far, (laughs) one little word, far, many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Some try to make the connection with what John says here down to verse, you know, in verse 8. I believe it's connected with verses 9 and 10 and 11. But I don't think that's the case. I think it, it's connected intimately to what he's just said before. Because he's just encouraged this woman, I beseech you that you love one another. Right? And you keep his commandment. And this is the commandment that you've heard from the beginning that you should walk in it. What's the commandment? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shalt be saved. Believe on him whom God hath sent. That's the commandment that we all walk in. That's our mutual love and association and fellowship one with another. That word far, it means that, or since, or because. So it's kind of like the word therefore. It's a reference not to what's coming up. It's to what he's already said. And see, by these deceivers, he said, for there are many deceivers. Who's he talking about, these deceivers? He's talking about false preachers, false disciples, false brethren. That word translated deceivers means corrupter, imposters, misleaders, leading into error. And John wrote, there are many deceivers. There are many deceivers. So it just wasn't just one or two. It's a bunch of them. And the problem is there's so many of them who were pretended to be ministers of Christ and because of their great number they caused considerable problem not out in the world. Where was the trouble at? In the church. Within the church of God. How? They deceitfully mishandle the word of God. But what I find so interesting about this word is the word that John used, translated, are entered. For many false prophets are, that word, one word, two English words, are entered. It's one word in the original. In the original, it means to come in or go out. It means to come in or to go out. So these deceivers, what had they done? They had gone out. Where did they go out? They went out into the world. And in false religion, they taught us, what, it, what does that mean? 
that those, those deceivers are out there dealing with this world. Isn't that what, what we thought? Well, let's let the Scriptures be our guide. He didn't mean they're going out into the world in general. <laughs> but into what would be considered, what world did they go out into? The Christian world. In other words, they had at one time, where had they been? Remember what we said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19? They went out from us to make manifest that they were not part of us. Because if they'd have been part of us, what would they have done? They'd have stayed right here with us. But it might, if they went out, that it might be made manifest that what were they? They're not part of us. In other words, you think about it this way. They had at one time been a part of a true gospel assembly, and now they're going about into other places where the gospel had been faithfully preached and had been believed on by the grace of God. You think about this. I, I wrote this down. I went back this morning when I was going back over my notes one last time, and I capitalized these words. You think about this. These deceitful workers don't have to deceive those who are of the world. <laughs> their goal, what's, what's their goal? Their goal was to deceive and disrupt, not the world, but the gospel ministry. That's why those Judaizers followed Paul everywhere he went, followed Peter everywhere he went, stirred up trouble and problems and difficulties. This is what John had warned the brethren about in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Same word that we're talking about are entered. Come in and go out. They've gone out into the world. This makes me think of the Apostle Paul's warning to those elders at Ephesus right before he departed. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves, and there's his word again, enter in. They'll come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Where? Not out there. In the church shall men arise speaking perverse things for one particular reason, to draw away disciples after them. So John was warning this elect lady as well as all God's elect in every generation to do what? To be cautious. To be cautious of, and you know what it's your responsibility and my responsibility to do? To examine everybody who claims to speak on the behalf of God. All of them. And here's the thing, those truly born of God, those believers who know Christ and know His blood and righteousness is only hope and cause of salvation, who do speak for God as His ambassadors as we talked about in the Sunday Bible class, ours are ambassadors in this world. They should not be, nor are they ever offended if you try the message that they preach and declare because of the truth of the gospel, the faith once delivered unto the saints, It'll stand the test of the Scriptures. 
I have to worry about what people think about me or think about what I say. I tell you, if it doesn't square with the scriptures, I need to be corrected, and you do too. Well, how'd John tell us we can know one's part of those that he referred to as these many deceivers? How can we know? Here it is. Who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. This is the deceiver. This is an antichrist. Now listen, John, he was a Jew, was he not? By this statement here, he wasn't talking about the Jews in his day. Nor was he referring to Jews in the future, saying the Jews in his day, what did they, what did they do? They denied that Christ had came. The Jews in our day that are alive today, what, do they, what are they still looking for? Huh? They're waiting for Messiah to come. He's came 2,000 years ago. He came. They're still looking for him to come. These deceivers that he's talking about, these many deceivers, he's describing those who had taken to themselves, what, the name Christian. He's talking about those who had professed outwardly with their lips that they had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about those that do not declare and will not profess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Now, this is so important. If you don't get anything else this morning, please get this. <clears throat> this doesn't mean that these deceivers were denying that Christ would be born of a virgin. They're still looking for the virgin birth. I guarantee you they're still waiting for a star to show up over Bethlehem. <laughs> I'm telling you. They're looking for a virgin to conceive because the Scriptures tell them a virgin's going to conceive. So that's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about the fact that uh, they, they denied that he would be of the seed of David. They denied and they would not preach out that what? Jehovah is salvation. The anointed Messiah of God. That he had actually come into the world. That he had been here. And that he had accomplished exactly what he had been sent to do by the Father. That's what they wouldn't preach. You know, religion talks about the fact that Christ was born, don't they? Do, do we not believe? Every, every, I'll tell you, there's not one Protestant or Catholic religious church that I know of that don't, that don't talk about Christ being born. This religious world, they, they talk about the fact that he lived. Right? They talk about his miracles. They talk about and they believe that he died. My friends, my family members, they think Christ died. Don't yours? And they believe that He rose again. Don't they? All of them. But they deny and they will not preach out this specific fact. What will they not preach out? That God, thou shalt call His name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. But He shall save His people from their sin. He did that. It's finished. 
They say there's something yet for you to do. It's your faith. It's your morality. It's your sincerity. It's your continuance. It's your perseverance. No, it's not. None of it or all of it. It's Christ alone. His blood and His righteousness alone. You think about it. The God-sent Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, He actually accomplished in His flesh over 2,000 years ago exactly what God sent Him to do. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself. How? By Jesus Christ. See that? How did He do it? He's done it. He reconciled us. How? By Jesus Christ. This one that they would not believe He'd come in the flesh. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the ministry of the word of reconciliation. Now then, as we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ said, be reconciled to God. The gospel ministry, which I've had the privilege and the blessing being a part of for almost 37 years, it's not calling on sinners to do something for God so He can do something for them. The gospel ministry, what is it? it is a bold, dogmatic, uncompromising declaration of His finished work at Calvary on the behalf of all those He represented as their surety, their substitute, their mediator, and their redeemer. And if I don't preach that, I have not preached the gospel. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that by this man is preached unto you. What's preached unto you this morning? The forgiveness of sins. That's what I'm telling you this morning. God forgave his people. That's what's preached out. If that's not preached out, the gospel's not preached. And by Him, by His power, by His authority, through His Holy Spirit, under the preaching of the gospel, by Him, all believing are justified, declared righteous from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Are you a sinner this morning? Huh? Think about that statement. Are you a sinner? Oh, yeah, I've sinned. I didn't ask you if you sinned. Saying, are you a sinner? This morning, are you a hopeless, helpless, real sinner with no ability to do anything? Are you there? God calls on his people, just like Abraham, to believe on him who justifies the ungodly. Well, that's a, that's a toe stumper for lost folks, ain't it? Religious or irreligious. I'm not ungodly. I'm not, you know, I've done a few bad things, but I'm not ungodly. Oh, yeah, I tell you what, if you don't rest in this Christ, you're ungodly. You can be straight, like Henry used to say, you can be straight as a gun barrel and twice as empty, but you're still ungodly. But you won't admit it. Listen, I am. I, I Pam brought it up to me. She was questioning me about. I think it's Isaiah one. Is that where Isaiah six? Isaiah six. <laughs> do you do you feel like this this morning? Isaiah said, 
he said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What kind of effect did that have on him? He said, I am a man of unclean lips among an unclean people. Not only am I ungodly, you know what I'm, and if this offends you this morning, I don't really care. But you know what I'm, t- I'm talking to this morning? A bunch of ungodly sinners just like me. I'm an unclean man speaking to unclean people and declaring to them that what God made you clean. Who, who the sons declared clean? They're clean completely. These deceivers, they denied death. They wouldn't preach it then. And you know what? These fools won't preach it today. They will not. John states to them, what are they? This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Folks are looking for some one person as an antichrist one day. It ain't got nothing to do with one person with 666 stamping it in people's head and on their hands. It's a system of religion that deceives men and women's souls. They can't eat, right? We talked about this morning. We have an altar to eat of that they can't eat at. They're starved because they can't buy Our Lord encouraged us, come by without money, without price. Why? Grace is free. There's no charge to this. Like their father before them, the devil, you know what they do? They lie on God, just like he did. With our first parents in the garden, he lied concerning what? God's promise and his threat. God had told them in the day, you can have anything here you want. But in the day that you eat of that tree, a knowledge of good and evil, you died. And that devil stood there before that woman when she saw that the fruit was pleasurable and to be desired to make one wise. He lied to her and he said, because she said, God told us if, if we touch it, which she changed the word of God. He didn't say anything about touching it. He said, if you eat it. Will die. He said, What was his word? You shall not surely die. What's that? That's a denial of what God said. It's his promise, it's his threat. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, you'll know the your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. They got part of that, didn't they? Their eyes were immediately open and they saw what? We're naked before this God. I hope you see and understand the point John's making concerning these deceiving antichrists who were hell-bent on what? Infiltrating the church of God and destroying it. Thank God we know this. They couldn't. And thank God we can rest in this. It's not If it were possible, they'd deceive who? They'd deceive the very elect of God. But thank God he said, if it were possible. So since he said, if it were possible, what does that mean? It's impossible. You get us off track, but you can't, you can't destroy the child of God. Remember those two absolutes. Look at John's warning to this elect lady and her children, to you and me as well. Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. But boy, I tell you what, the religious world has lost their minds on verses like this, have they not? They get hung up on one phrase in that, a full reward. A full reward. And here's the thing. 
though, these kind of verses, they're misread by justified saints, sinners and are sometimes misunderstood. That's why we have to be taught, have to be instructed. Because you've got to remember those two absolutes. You cannot, uh, everyone that, that God the Father chose in everlasting covenant of grace, what, they're all going to be saved. And none of those that God the Father redeemed by Christ's obedience unto death, number two, they can never lose their salvation. He's already told this woman, what's he called her? Elect, and your children who are elect. So if they're the elect of God, there's no possibility they can lose their salvation. Listen, there's no possibility that they can ultimately be deceived by these antichrists, by the deceivers. But he told them and he told us, what did he tell them? Look to yourselves. In other words, look about yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Be on guard. Always and beware of what? These deceivers I'm warning you about. But not just the deceivers. Here's the thing. Their doctrine. Their doc- That's what's so dangerous is their doctrine. What they teach. Paul told, said of the Bereans, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. John wasn't telling them and he wasn't telling us that we need to become fruit inspectors, trying to figure out if we've done enough or we've changed enough or we've prayed enough or we've been kind enough or we've even been like what this religious world says, we've been Christ-like enough to get our reward that we think we deserve. That's not what he's talking about. We'll see that more clearly when we get to the next verses next Sunday. But the exhortation to them is this, to continue in the faith by which they had been set free from the law of sin and death. See, this religious world uses verses like this to teach rewards in heaven to those who achieve greatly. And the loss of rewards in heaven if you come up short. That's not what John's meaning was by these words, this exhortation. This exhortation is a warning concerning the hazards and the downfalls to God's elect, those who by the grace of God have believed the gospel, who have contended earnestly for the gospel, have been faithful to the gospel, and yet at some point in their lives have sinned in such a way grievously against their God or against his people, or against his doctrine, by not carefully watching against the doctrine of these deceivers. We can get caught up. I mean, I always think about this. Peter, who by most in religion think he was the greatest apostle that ever lived, which he wasn't. He was just like Paul, whatever he was, he was by the grace of God. Think of the era he got caught up in. Think about the error that Paul made concerning John Mark. Separated from him for years. And then realized toward the end of his life, bring John Mark, he'd be valuable to me in this gospel ministry. While the child of God can't ever lose the recompense of the reward, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
they can, tragically, they often do see much of what they've erected on that foundation, which is Christ, to be nothing more than wood, hay, or stubble. John told, but Paul told those at Corinth, for other foundation can no man lay than the one that's laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Now, if any man build on this foundation... And I don't know what these things are, so don't... Uh, gold, silver, precious stones. But he doesn't stop the list there. That, those are the, I would assume, Kenny, that's the good thing. Gold, silver, precious stones. Because the next three things are, are, are cheap and infinite in, in capability of getting your hand on. Gold, silver, and precious jewels, we, have, we can't get our hands on those. Wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. This ain't got nothing to do with lost people. <laughs> this is every man that's, that's of God, every woman that's of God. Of what sort their work is. If, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And they say, there it is, he's going to receive a reward. I'm going to get to it in just a second, and I'm going to quit, I promise. If any man works, shall be burned. Wood, hay, stubble, burns up, put in a fire, put gold, silver, and precious jewels in it. What happened? Gold gets pure, silver gets pure, and the gem's unchanged. You can't burn a diamond up. Wood, hay, stubble, you put it in, what happens? Turns into ash. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved as it were, by fire. Why? The believer's reward is who? It's Christ. And we can never lose that which is freely bestowed on us. Listen to you. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercy we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And this is where we need to be this morning. The Lord is my portion. He's not part of my portion. He's my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good for a man uh, that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I wrote this into my notes right before I came this morning. I'll quit with this. He declared to Abraham. Remember in Genesis 15, he said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Paul told those at Corinth, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Are we continuing in Christ and his doctrine? Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Christ is in you. That's what i got to do. Is Christ in me, the hope of glory? How am I going to determine that? Is he my only hope? It's not looking out, and it's not even looking in. It's looking in. Know ye your own selves how that Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Now we'll quit right there, and we'll come back next week, Lord willing. We'll pick up in verse 9 and try to make it down.
through the end of the chapter. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Appreciate your presence. Lord bless you and keep you until we see you next Lord's Day. Buddy, if you would, dismiss us, please.